So, Alan, uh, we got another inductee into the uh, IT Book Club. You know what the IT Book Club is, right, Alan? Yeah. We don't hit you with paddles, by the way. <laughs> I'm not sure inductee is really the way. Oh, not anymore. This, ever since the dean came down on us. But uh, seriously, the IT Book Club is where we uh, take anybody who reviews us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell they're calling it right now. Um, leave a review and we will read your review on the air and we will send you a little bit of swag that says that you are an official member of the IT Book Club. Um, it even includes a little membership card designed by our very own Alan. All you have to do after you leave the review is take a screenshot and uh, send it to us through Twitter, DM us um, with your information, and we will send a packet out right to you full of all kinds of goodies. Our latest member is Lindsay, who is, uh, uh, we know her, she's from uh, the 33% Pulp podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, she calls us a wonderful, well-produced pod. We're going we're gonna to have to pay our production staff more now. Bleeding us dry. Uh, she says, Alan and Rob take turns reading pulp, old pulp stories in their full glory to each other while the other interrupts. Wouldn't that be annoying, though? Nope. It's hilarious. Uh, oh. I appreciate the deep cuts into pulp history and the way they deliver things like fuzzy logic, convenient escapes, and very long horse rides for the listener's enjoyment. That is somebody who's gone way back in the archives. Yes, right that's, that's pretty far. <laughs> Their accents are wonderful. Oh, she's, oh. she's missed the last few episodes. <laughs> There's just the right amount of banter, which keeps the story center stage. To quality production from the editing and music choices as well. It's time, time for you to try this pod. And then she writes at the end there, P.S. Their intro is literally my favorite intro of any pod ever. We really appreciate that. And we encourage everybody who's listening to go check out 33% Pulp. It's a fantastic podcast where each of the three co-hosts take turns reading one third of a story, telling the other two about it, filling in all the details of all the stuff they missed and all the character development that usually made the guy a lot creepier than they thought <laughs> from just one third of the book. It's amazing how episode to episode. It's never like, yeah, he seems much nicer than I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> anyway it is a great podcast uh if you like uh, ours you'll you'll love it um and they do a great job they have really nice art too on so follow them on twitter um but i just wanted to thank Lindsay, and uh, remember if you want to join leave a review dm us the information and we'll get you some swag it's time time for a thrilling story of romance adventure mystery anything with an expired copyright it's time for another interrupted tale hello and welcome to the show that usually ends another episode of interrupted tales the podcast where my friend and i take turns sto reading stories to you the listener while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Rob, and I'm joined tonight by the Sean Connery to my Roger Moore, Alan. How are you, Alan? I appreciate that. Yeah, I gave you, uh, gave you Sean. I think maybe you called me old. Uh, Roger Moore or was hairy. very spry. 
and smarmy. I don't, I don't know if that's an advantage. Or n- not sure how to play other nationalities. <laughs> what? He was completely convincing as a Japanese man. Ugh. I'm a Russian she-captain. <laughs> well, this week, uh, we, we've got a rather steamy tale, Alan. It's uh, from, from the, no- <laughs> from the uh, November 1937 issue of Snappy Illustrated Fun and Fiction... That's that's the title of the magazine. Okay. Uh, comes Always One Night by Frank Masters. And now it's time to grab a drink and curl up in your favorite chair while we read you this week's tale. The minute Lex Johnson finished his shift as bellhop at the Plaza Grand, he liked to doll up and step out of character. Goodbye, daytime Lex Johnson, underappreciated bellhop, and hello, nighttime Lex Johnson, moderately better paid concierge. (laughs) Moving up in the world. Lex had illusions. Is this your bag? (laughs) No? Oh, well, I must have made a mistake. Would you... Mind looking in your front right pocket where you'll see the baggage claim ticket has been on you the whole time. And it says 32. Oh, okay. This is not your bag. <laughs> Lex, uh, Lex Johnson, terrible magician. Pretty good bellhop though. Yeah. <laughs> he gets it eventually. Yeah. After working hours, he got a kick out of pretending he was a rich playboy, with all of Broadway at his beck and call. So Lex, strolling the stem with a wave of his cane, kept a weather eye out for some snappy doll baby he might impress with his clothes and personality. And odiousness, that really shines through. (laughs) Like the beggar of old, Lex firmly believed in kismet, that for everyone in the knock-kneed metropolis there was always one night given as a gift of the Magi. Really mixing his stories up here. Yeah, no kidding. First of all, I'm pretty sure Kismet is part of um, Brigadoon, right? No. It's it's my dad's favorite musical. Little trivia for those of you who know my dad well. Okay. So far, he hadn't been able to pick up anything except Hungry Chorines. Nope. What the fuck is that? Corines. They're part of the chorus. What the fuck is a Corine? They're part of the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was someone who sold churros. I don't know. <laughs> so far, he hadn't been able to pick up anything except hungry Corines and dames looking for car fare. But Lex wasn't discouraged. He figured that sooner or later, fate would step in and hand him something choice to have fun with. Lex, it's a, it's fate. Listen, I got your message, but I'm afraid all our Dan Bilzerian packages have been taken. Uh, but I could put you in line for the wait list. Yeah, yeah, the the flaming red one right over there. <laughs> it was that certainty that kept him buoyed up, full of expectancy and pep. His usual anticipation gave him verve and a sprightly gait as he wandered down Long Acre one early on in the evening. A fuzzy new skimmer was tilted at a rakish angle on his well-shaped head. Weird way to wear a mustache, but... Uh... 
really really curls up at the edge of though you know a fuzzy new skimmer is easily grown into a van dyke if you just have patience <laughs> his freshly cleaned and pressed suit featured a knife crease trouser edge and his dogs were polished to a mirror-like shine lex looked like a million but the truth was he had less than seven ducats in his kick yeah well you know the ducat buying process is so complicated. Oh, First, yeah. you got to convert your money to bitcoins, mm. and then you have to tell your relatives how amazing it is at Thanksgiving, and then you have to lose all your life savings on the blockchain, which is some sort of keno, I think. That sounds right, right? Close to the Wellington Theater, Lex slowed up. He took a slant at the photos in the lobby. Gorgeous gals wearing a minimum of clothing smiled at him. This guy's bad at math. Huh. So there's a floor and there's a minimum. Uh, I mean, these girls are wearing the mean or the average. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Right? Right. He's bad at math. He's bad at math. It's true. They were ravishing, and Lex's heart skipped a beat. That was the type of young lady he was so anxious to meet. Some beautiful doll who wasn't overdressed and who had a pair of eyes that gleamed. The name of the show was She Took It Off. <laughs> and the star was Virginia Hale. All right, Rob, here we go. Okay. She Took It Off, the story of Sandra Day O'Connor and the glass ceiling of America's judicial system. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'm in. She Took It Off. The story of Sarah Rue from Less Than Perfect and her inspiring story of weight loss, even though she looked pretty amazing before, and I hope it was for herself and not unrealistic Hollywood ideals. You know, I agree 100% with all of that. She took it off. A study of the correlation of late night talk show jokes with salacious news reports during the summer of 1993. Yeah. Well, which one's it going to be, Alan? Um... I mean, we have three very good contenders here. Well, they all they all sound Broadway quality to me. <laughs> Only one is good enough to make it on the Great White Way. From the merry lilt of music seeping out and the time marked by the clock in the lobby, Lex decided the piece was in its final moments. He took another gander at the pictures and transferred himself to the stage door alley. Lex breathed hard. The daguerreotypes had done things to his imagination. Oh, this technology is amazing. It's like a moving picture where I close my eyes for minutes at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta Oof. sit down. Oh, it's been a half hour, but uh, I almost saw some ankle. Oof. He knew of nothing he wanted more than one of the pictured girls to do his stuff with. Oh, yeah, all the stuff he's gonna do to their bags of sand. <laughs> so much stuff it's gonna go and help them fix the curtains but propping himself up against the stage door alley wall he resigned himself to impatient patience and waited for the performers to come out soon the girls began to leave actually they weren't quite as fascinating and pulse-stirring in real life as they were in the photos somehow they looked drab tired and also I went down to the fish market, and none of those guys looked as noble and trustworthy as the Gorton's fishermen. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your baseline? They didn't look like the picture at all. <laughs> but that's trustworthy? It's Gorton fishermen and anything 
about I that. I trust the Gordon Fisherman. <laughs> I don't know why. Something, it's just something in my head says trust the Gordon Fisherman. <laughs> Good advice for everybody. One little redhead, however, appealed to Lex. I mean, it's fish sticks. It's not a high stakes transaction. <laughs> I'll trust the guy in the yellow jacket. That's in the hat. Sure. I mean, I, what's the worst? It's not cod. It's actually tilapia. So what? <sighs> Once more, one little redhead, however, appealed to Lex. As she came forward, he stepped out from the wall. How yar, babe? He said with a flourish. Going my way. The girl stopped, looked him over, and wrinkled a pert little nose. No, she's told him sweetly. I'm not, because you'd better go home and cut yourself a piece of throat. <laughs> it's not really a punchline, but it's pretty fucking funny. Well, she gave it back to him. I gotta, uh, gotta give her that. Right then. And suggested that he kill himself, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I like yeah, it. But nicely. In a nice way. With that, she flounced past him. Lex sighed and went back to the wall. All the ensemble maidens were gone. That left a star in principles, and Lex didn't have much hope of making any one of those dames. They were usually met by red-necked gentlemen in shining sedans. Lex was about to fling his brogans into third when he stopped short. Hold, sorry, hold on. What do you think that the meaning of redneck has, has changed over the years? I don't know. Because I just, you know, in an earlier tale, um, huh? they used the word dude as an insult. Um, oh, yeah. And I found that similar. similarly, I was like, when did that become okay? Or when did redneck go from a swell in the city to a, uh, you know, a backwoods kind of person? I don't know. Huh. Well, tune in to our next podcast, Etymology. I didn't know that. And oh. uh, you learn about all kinds of things. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's sort of funnier than the discussions we were having. So <laughs> I feel like the audience might be let down after they get past the title. But Well, let me, uh, let me go by the URL and we'll, we'll sit on it for a while. <laughs> a girl had stepped from the stage door. She was rather small and wore a short fur coat over a silver net gown. In the wan light of the alley, her chestnut hair had a polished glimmer to it, and her eyes were as bright and alive as if they had absorbed some of the glow of the footlights. Like a radioactive ghoul you would romance in Fallout, thought Lex, drawing upon his closest experience. That's, that, that, would, that sounds about right, actually. As she came out, the stage door man tipped his hat respectfully. Good night, Miss Hale. Lex's pulses pounded. Virginia Hale, star of the extravaganza, one of the blue-ribbon pretties of Yon Boulevard. What he had read about her swarmed through his mind. Once, she had been an artist model. Her figure was supposed to be tops in the world of curves and contours. Oh, yeah, she's almost as famous as Pierre Bézier and de Casteljean. Not as attractive as, as those mathematicians, but it's up there. Up there. Yeah, up there. <laughs> Still pretty famous. As she drew even with Lex, he caught the drift of her perfume and heard the tap of high heels. Her eyes drifted to him casually. She went on, but stopped at the end of the alley, turned and looked down the street. Like a shot from a thirty-eight, Lex was beside her. 
His grand manner covered him like a Macintosh. He smiled and bowed. May I get you a taxi, Miss Hale? Call you an Uber and Lyft at the same time and go with whichever comes first like a real rich dick would do? <laughs> you are going to get a really low rating if you do that, Alan. I can't recommend that. Taxi? She laughed a little. To Lex, it was like the music of a silvery woodland stream. Uh, all right, Miss Hale. Yeah, uh, thank you for auditioning for the role of, uh, Softly Rushing Creek. Okay, Hank, what, what do you think? I know it's a non-burbling part, but, uh, I think she's, uh, got potential. I think it was soggy. The whole performance. Soggy. I gotta be honest, Hank, I thought... Thought maybe you'd have a little stronger of a rejoinder there. <laughs> Some other small river-based pun. Nope. All right, Hank. A pleasure working with you. Uh, thanks, Miss Hale. We'll be in touch. <laughs> Perhaps you'd better. I told Ronald to have the town car here at 1130, and there's no sign of him. Accident, maybe. Lex's tone was easy. Or too many tall ones. I know. My man can't be dependent upon either. Or my words and actions. It's so tough to get good help and personality these days. <laughs> he hesitated. If uh, you could walk to the corner. Oh, certainly. It's nice of you to help me. A pleasure. There's real enthusiasm in Lex's voice. You see, Miss Hale, I've been admiring you all evening from row A in the orchestra. And let me tell you, you're much less of a shapeless blob than when I was admiring you from mezzanine seat 23VV. Oh, yeah, you, you gotta get the good seats to really uh, make out any details about people. God, did you get a load of her colors? <laughs> there were a couple of them. I, uh, to tell the truth... I've been hanging around the stage door since the show ended, hoping for another glimpse of you. Really? She lifted her eyes. They wandered over Lex speculatively. They took in the details of the new hat, the well-creased trousers. Double pleats. Well, well, you must either be very fashionable or not own a mirror. <laughs> I'm flattered. Uh, unlike your pants-covered midsection. <laughs> what? Pleats are always in style, Alan. I, Come on. Mm, mm, I just bought a double-breasted, triple-pleated suit. That's not cool? And it definitely makes you look your exact weight. There were plenty of cabs available on the stem. Lex hardly had a finger up before three were fighting to reach the curb. In that half second that came before a door opened for the girl, Lex felt his heart sink. Always one night. Was his to end before it began? He took his courage by the nape of the neck and shook it. If I could see you home, Miss Hale. Would you? Her red lips parted. I, candidly, I'm a little afraid of taxicabs at this hour. <laughs> what? Sure. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I mean, after midnight is when they turn into wear cabs. <laughs> I have this recurring nightmare where I get in the cab, and the lights go on, 
And suddenly I'm on cash cab and the person I happen to be with is a complete moron. I mean, not, not you, you understand. Just, just any old idiot. Oh, it's the worst. All the violins in the universe played for Lex as he handed her into the ark. What matter that it was slightly fragrant with stale gin fumes or there were no cut roses in the vase that had seen much service as an ash receptacle. Car's vases are impractical but they're just so darn fun. And so I give it a Doug score of six. <laughs> uh, the most beautiful dame in all creation was beside him. And to Lex, life was unfolding gloriously. Her shoulder brushed his as their vehicle threaded the Manhattan side streets. Almost before Lex knew it, they were on Park Avenue. The can slid to a stop before a tall, cloud-bumping building. Once more, Lex went to the mat with his courage. If I could uh, come up for a minute, Miss Hale. Or I could skip the up and get right to the four. <laughs> the dreamy eyes turned in his direction. Of course. You didn't think, I hope, I was going to send you away without a drink after you've been so kind and helpful. I've got OJ, purple stuff, soda. No, I'm sorry. I don't Sunny D on the first date. <laughs> it's a wise policy. Yeah. People will talk. You got to wait until high school to restart your whole thing, you know? You're saying middle schooler Sunny D? Oh, Alan, it's it's 2018. Middle school. Oh, my God. That's shocking to Oh, me. yeah. There's Sunny wow. D. There's Sunny D. They're having Sunny D parties. They're mountain oh. doing. It's a, it's a wild world out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lex almost swooned with delight when a private elevator rushed them skywards. Another minute, and she was unlocking the door of a penthouse apartment. The lights clock clicked on. Lex looked through a foyer and into the most heavenly room he had observed anywhere. It was all in striking black and silver, with a black glass floor and chromium furniture upholstered in shimmering silver. One wall was a window that gave him an aviator view of Gotham in all its crowded majesty. Crowded majesty. The story of Catherine the Great and the many myths surrounding her reign. <laughs> oh, stable boy. But to Lex, the view of the girl before him was much more interesting. She slipped off the fur wrap and stood revealed in a close clinging mesh gown. The perfection of her young body was glamorous and thrilling. In front, the dress was cut so that the upper halves of her firm, upthrust breasts swelled from their lacy confinement. All right, listen, you two. You don't know how easy you got it in this cushy, demi-bra jail. You step over the line just once, just once, and it's straight to full-coverage penitentiary. It's a total lockdown there. <laughs> Her waist was narrow, but her hips, even though girdled, were flat and interesting. Um, okay, thanks, I guess. Uh, let me return the compliment. Oh, yeah. Uh, your penis is interesting. How does that feel? Well, I, I guess how interesting on a scale of one to ten are we talking about? Hmm, flat and interesting. <sighs> Through Lex, a delicious current of hot eagerness ran temptingly. What a gal. What charm. What loveliness. What attraction. 
He swallowed, blinked at her as she smiled slowly. You'll have to pardon the service tonight. My butler is away. And while the butler's away, the butts will play. Nope, sorry, I did forget I said that. <laughs> Popped into my head and it just didn't come out right. She snapped on a radio, excused herself, and left the room. Lex sank down on a deeply upholstered couch. He had trouble keeping his emotions in leash. He told himself it was absurd to even hope or think he could make a girl like Virginia Hale. A sandwich? <laughs> she was a big Broadway star. She wouldn't allow any Thomas, Richard, and Harry to pick her up. Um, <laughs> Harold? Dude? <laughs> um, Thomas, Richard, and Hieronymus. Is that right? Is that what the Harry is for? I think so. Uh, maybe okay. it's a Geraldo? Thomas yeah, Richard. Sure. Geraldo, Geraldo, yep. Yeah. The whole thing was ridiculous on the face of it. And what a sweet countenance it was. Still, his thoughts ran confusedly. She had let him get the cab, had agreed readily to his companionship, and she had brought him up to the apartment. I mean, I think she definitely has to like me. Oh, my God. She's selling timeshares. Oh, he's going to have to sit there for like four hours. Oh, my God. The presentation will not end. But he might get a uh, $50 Red Lobster gift certificate. So I was yeah. hoping that they would have a coupon for jet skiing. <laughs> Kismet. Perhaps she was lonely. Even box office stars were human. Perhaps her best boyfriend had had an argument or something with her and walked out. There were dozens of possibilities. And only half of them were some kind of Three's Company-ish misunderstanding. <laughs> oh, well, uh, it's... Uh, oh. Were you Mr. Furley? Yeah, yeah. Or very, were you I was confused uh, about what Mr. Roper sounded like? I was trying to do Furley, but then I could only think of things Roper would say. So I got to... Like, we've all been there. <laughs> Common. It happens to everybody. He's, he's joke from old. I'd like to invite our listeners to our new podcast. Uh-huh. The Reference Room. <laughs> where we try to figure out what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> uh, check it out on uh, Stitcher Premium, folks. going to be also on Audio Galaxy. <laughs> power to the people uh, Lex decided to go along with the tide and see what happened only time could tell when Lex looked up she had come back into the room a silver salver graced a table crowned with bottles and glasses Lex hardly saw that his eyes bulged as they fell on the girl she had taken advantage of his thinking period to change from the mesh gown to something more comfortable Overalls. It's like a tank top that doesn't end. <laughs> it's genius. Now she wore a long hostess robe. It was of some thin, diaphanous material. Every step she took flexed it to her in such a way that Lex was able to see she wore little or nothing beneath it. The lace bras had been removed, and the confining girdle as well. He had the impression of her silk-swathed legs and of a shadow around her middle that might have been made by the tiniest and scantiest of panties. The H-string. <laughs> That's even 
they've gone too far. <laughs> the scientists, oh, they dug too deep. They dug too deep. Why? Why? You mix, she said. I'm terrible at it. Lex did, with unsteady hands. He couldn't believe his eyes, or luck. Virginia Hale close to him in a costume that left little to the imagination? The kind of girl he had dreamed about for so many weary nights? The kind of gal he put on the terrier to impress. <laughs> okay, no. Listen, I looked it up on the internet, and there's no way that put on the terrier is a real phrase, man. Are you sure? Wait, you think it's like putting on the Ritz? Sure. It's, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to put on the terrier. Maybe uh, go down and pug my girl a few whoa. times. Oh, whoa. What did what? I say? What? Huh? What? I don't think the ASPCA <laughs> is going to approve this one. Oh, this slang. Somehow, Lex forgot his role of gilded idler. It seemed unnecessary with Virginia. She was so nice, so friendly. He didn't have to do any impressing. She seemed more than anxious to meet him halfway in everything he did. Possibly she liked him. Lex hadn't thought of that. Uh, to be fair, none of us had. <laughs> <laughs> After all, he was young, fairly good looking, and had a nice personality. Maybe he was getting himself across without effort. As he poured and stirred and shook, Lex searched his memory for all details and scraps of information he could remember having read about her. Where she was born, what movies she liked, uh, what had happened in her life that made her have such poor taste in men. Hmm. These are all clues. <laughs> he vaguely recalled a wealthy Wall Street man, someone by the name of Bruce Whiteside, that Winchill and other Broadway columnists linked with her. Lex stowed the fact aside as he carried a gold cup over to her. Try this. If it snarls at you, I'll go to work on a new one. It's like nectar, she murmured, sipping it. Yeah, uh, it's nectar uh, with a splash of cheap whiskey and a hint of old ice cubes. It's your, it's your favorite, right? The old ice cubes is what makes it, and and you oh, don't... just a little thin layer of stank on it. Oh yeah, don't don't forget the splash of uh, blue Gatorade. That uh, really takes it up a notch, gives yep. it a nice color. Lex sat down beside her. Her nearness unnerved him. She looked so soft and relaxed, so desirable and so tempting. He wondered what she would do if he put out a hand and touched her. He had a mad desire to know what her skin felt like. Um, I'm going to say skin-like, mm. and I'm going to politely suggest that all humans should probably know what that means without needing a lot of further description. Well, he, right? wears, he wears gloves in his job, Alan, so oh. maybe he uh, doesn't know the touch of a person. He's not Mickey Mouse. He's not born with them, Rob. <laughs> So you think. To learn if it were as smooth and glistening as it looked. She frowned as Lex mopped his forehead. Are you so warm? I'm burning up, he told her. Oh, yeah, yeah burning up here. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I was this close to a woman, I got slapped by a doctor. Eh, no respect. Uh... I'm telling you I was close. <laughs> But it isn't hot in here. Open a window if you want. And have you catch cold? 
Not a chance. She smiled at her thin, transparent hostess gown. That's right, I might. I hope you'll pardon this, but after the theater, I, I like to get comfy and relax. You, it's, it's, it's wonderful, Lex stammered. I know lots of men I wouldn't dare wear it around. Men who would try to take advantage of me. But with you, she added, I feel safe. You, you're different. You know, bland. <laughs> Aggressively bland. That goes a long way to these uh, Broadway types, Alan. Does it? Nope. Don't be too sure, Lex said throatily. Her thinly arched brows went up quickly. What do you mean? Surely this gown doesn't affect you that way. Lex drew a deep breath. I feel just like I did when I was a kid at school, he blurted. We had a gorgeous young teacher. I sat near her desk. One day I stayed after school. I, She asked me to tie her shoe. And you did? Yes, I did, Lex mumbled. Two days later, I was kicked out of the class. Why? The principal caught me giving her a new pair of garters. <laughs> That's inappropriate and, like, confusing. There is no young kid that understands what a garter is. <laughs> they are like the Rube Goldberg devices of underwear. <laughs> there's like snaps, and then there's like... Uh, I don't understand. How, how do they go around the waist? I don't know how they stay up. I don't know. And then, how do they keep the dominoes up? I don't know. <laughs> Virginia Hale stretched out a shapely leg. Dancing and made it curved and firm. The sight of its extended beauty gave Lex's heart a twist. Fortunately, she laughed, I have no garters to break. Her mouth tightened. Only a heart, she said slowly. And of course, my structurally deficient flat hips. <laughs> she should really see a doctor about that. It's uh, osteoporosis, I think. <laughs> At that moment, Lex very was interesting medical case, though, let me tell you. <laughs> I think I saw an episode. Exactly of, the word I would use. Yeah, I saw an episode of House that covered that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. At that moment, Lex was sure he had his answer. Of course. That Bruce Whiteside that he had read about had walked out on her. That was the reason he was there. A heart, he said slowly. You mean Mr. Whiteside? She turned swiftly. You, you've heard? Only that you were his particular throb, Lex answered truthfully. Okay, that is definitely not slang, according to the internet. <laughs> she tapped the gold. Remember the, she would say, do you remember the 80s sitcom Throb? Uh, this, I don't. This may be my only chance in life to make a Throb reference. What? Um, it was a syndicated show, sitcom, that came on after It's a Living. Is this all made up? It, no. And it starred Jane Leaves before she was on um, Frasier. Yep. I was raised by television. Please, everybody, tune in afterwards for my, uh, for Throbcast. My, um... What is the name of our, our, our new uh, unremembered 80s sitcom podcast? Uh, it's, um... It's called The Punky Brewer. Where uh, every week we uh, couple signature cocktails with uh, an 80s sitcom. 
you know, in the interest of time, I'll accept it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just trying to. Right? No, we're not saying our podcast is great at all. <laughs> How dare <laughs> we? Not, we never not saying that. <laughs> she tapped the gold cup with nails stained of vivid carmine. Her small pursed mouth pouted, and her slow eyes were dreamy again. She moved a little. The gown went with her, and Lex's gaze fastened on the front of it. Bruce, she said distinctly. He married last night in Canada. Um, yes, and he's definitely real, and he definitely went to Canada. That's why you've never seen him. Sure. Do you have a picture of him? Yes, it's in Canada. <laughs> I in my castle <laughs> in your castle in Canada with your ponies of course where do you think the ponies would be <laughs> in the castle <laughs> I I'll probably never see him again some note in her hushed voice affected Lex before he knew it was all about he had slipped an arm around her he drew her a little to him she yielded readily enough the lashes down over her eyes like a screen. Poor kid. There was a world of sympathy in Lex's tone. Poor you. Poor us. Why doesn't anyone think of us, Rob? <laughs> Will no one think of the reader? Don't, she breathed, or you'll have me in tears. I, I want to forget. I must. You can help me to make me. Her fierce request stirred Lex. He caressed her gently. She leaned half against him, her head close to his shoulder. His right hand strayed idly over the curves of her satiny back. She inched herself closer. You, you've been so sweet to me tonight. How can I ever forget? You're in luck. Because nobody's better at forgettableness than me. <laughs> I don't even know how I got here. <laughs> Lex laid his lips against her perfumed hair. <laughs> Sorry, it's not what I expected. Sorry. Okay. Uh, waves of emotion washed over like combers on a frothy sea. Frothy? Gross. <laughs> you can skip any further mentionings about the motion of the ocean, okay? There are a number of words in this story that I wish I had never had to read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no use trying to fight off the feeling that gripped and overpowered him. Fate had sealed the matter the instant he had spoken to her in the stage door alley. This was his night of nights. This was the supreme moment of his life. I mean, I I did see the Pope, but he he was in that Kia Soul looking thing, so I, I didn't get a good look. <laughs> the gorgeous girl in his arms, hurled and torn by cruel circumstances, was his and his alone. The realization made Lex go limp. Now that that's not going to be helpful at all. <clears throat> Let's come on. No, we don't. <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> he quivered as he as his hold on her increased. Savagely, he pulled her up on his lap. The gown slipped over her naked shoulders. Her chestnut hair flamed and exuded an intoxicating perfume. When Lex kissed her, she seemed to stiffen in every muscle. Not sure that rigor mortis is the. Best sort of reaction to get there. Her legs drew up under her. Her head went back so that her throat was a white column and the gown fluttered wide. I'll make you forget. 
Lex breathed hoarsely. She quivered at the next touch of his mouth, going limp in his eager, clutching arms. Kind of trailed off there, Rod. Oh, it's like really getting into it here. It's getting, getting steamy. Oof. Open a window. Lex's shift was the 11 to 5.30 at the Plaza Grand the next day. What? 11 to 5.30? Yeah. Is pretty... he a tenured bellhop? <laughs> so I got I got lunch from uh, 1 to 2. Okay. I'm, I'm here from 11 to 5.30. And then I got office hours uh, from 6 to 6.15. Well, as your union rep, I think you're working too hard. <laughs> Gertie, one of the telephone operators... Gave him her tabloid and a stick of gum. Lex sank wearily down on the bellhop bench, waiting for a flash from the desk. He had left the penthouse apartment towards six that morning. He'd caught a few hours on the pad, but was still tired. The magic of the past lay like burned-out embers before him. The worst part of it, Lex understood, was he would never see her again. And every part of him cried out for her. I'm thinking mostly... His eyeballs, though. That's where you're going to see the most crying reaction, probably. Fair. Fair enough. It's where the epicenter of the, the crying out. Part. Crying thing happens, yeah. yeah. You know, I know all there is to know about the crying game, Alan. Bellhop and Broadway star. He grinned crookedly. What a break. No more peace of mind for him as long as he lived. Racing around wouldn't help either. No dame alive could ever take the place of the one his arms had held for all those enchanted hours. Or would voluntarily do so. <laughs> Which is the real problem, I think. <laughs> I think so. Lex opened the tabloid. The first thing his eyes fell on were headlines that held him in a stupefied trance. Meghan Markle's estranged dad said, what? <laughs> he, he read them. Then the article they tied up with. With an inarticulate yelp, Lex leaped from the bench. Twenty steps took him to the huge switchboard. Gertie, the blonde plug swinger on duty, stared at him wonderingly. Yeah, I just want you to know that I explicitly did not look up blonde plug swinger on the internet <laughs> to see if it was real slang. <laughs> I admire your restraint, Alan. Thank you. Well, what's eating you, Mr. Vanderbilt? You look... Never mind how I look, Lex exclaimed. Read that. Gertie glanced at the item his trembling finger pointed out. Nuts! I did already twice. What about Virginia Hale copping a sneak on Broadway to fly to Montreal and marry that big ticker and tapeworm called Bruce Whiteside? Oh my god, big ticker and tapeworm was the worst of the mid-90s sketch comedy shows. <laughs> It's no Higgins, Boys, and Groover. Come on. Come on, Higgins, Boys, and Groover. They're great. Sure. But no, but Big Ticker and Tapeworm, oof. Terrible. I dip my intestines in it. <laughs> and what about the fact that she left her understudy at the theater and gave the dame the use of her penthouse apartment? A part of the story which Us Magazine went into a lot of unnecessary detail about. <laughs> that is extraordinarily detailed. That's it, Lex interrupted happily. Get that penthouse on the wire. Get it quick before I suffocate. The end.
Well, that was uh, that was certainly snappy. You got a certain snap pituitousness. I just want to apologize to the audience for having to say the words frothy and panties. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, it just needs to be said that I'm 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 only reading here. And sure. I myself would have used words like bubbly and uh, undercutchies. Fine choices. Tail, what would you say the moral of this particular story is? It's simple, Rob. Everything comes full circle. Uh-huh. Could you, uh, could you read the last line of the story one more time, please? Sure. Get it quick before I suffocate. Of garter-induced autoerotic asphyxiation. Ah. Uh, full circle. Full circle. What do you think the moral is? I, honestly, I think we've learned about as much as we can learn from this story, and I think it's time to put it to bed. So um, let's go uh, put on some tightly pressed trousers with a lot of pleats on them, Alan, and get ready for next week's episode when we're going to have another exciting interrupted. She took it off a transcript of Heather Mills' routine when she's decided she's in for the night. <laughs> Tail. <laughs> 